Welcome to the Aegeas podcast series Studio 2030, in which we bring you big questions, big ideas and big debates about the future and how we can all navigate our way towards success. We discuss the trends that may change the way we think about the world and influence our views on what's most important. So there's a lot to talk about. And welcome back in Studio 2030. I'm Janka Vlerakers, your host. And in this fifth episode, we will discuss the state of sustainable investing in Europe today with two guests. The first one is Wim Vermeer, Chief Investment Officer of AGIAS and AG Insurance. Welcome, Wim. Thank you for having me. And my second guest, David Veredas, Professor of Finance and Sustainability at Vlerik Business School. Welcome, David. A pleasure. Thank you. Gentlemen, there is a lot of talk about sustainable investments. Now, in the next half an hour, I'm very curious to find out how we can actually walk the talk. Have you adjusted your own investment behavior recently, in recent years, to make it more sustainable, Wim? But not really, because my interest in sustainable investing goes already back for more than 25 years. It started when I was 26. I became fund manager, and for the first time I could manage my own fund. It was a so-called ethical fund with uh, investments in social and ecological companies. And actually, I had the opportunity to manage it because my senior colleagues were not interested. I was thinking, give it a try, and uh, what happened afterwards? So, indeed, the financial performance were good. The fund had also commercial success. And the fund still exists as of today. Yeah? And it's actually one of the largest sustainable funds. I'm still invested in it. I consider it as part of my pension saving. And since then, my commitment, my belief in sustainable investment mm -hmm. hasn't uh, changed. I still believe that if you want to invest for the long run, if you want to make profits on the long run, um, you have to take into account the planet and the mm -hmm. people living on this planet. And I think that's what sustainable investing is about. So you really were an early bird, as they say. David? Well, uh, it's not that I have invested sustainably since as long as WIM, but uh, many years ago, I personally, my mm -hmm. own private investment, was also totally rebalanced from traditional non-sustainable investments into fully sustainable investments. Of course, rebalancing a portfolio 100% comes with a cost. Mm -hmm. You need to sell and then you need to buy again, and every time there is a cost attached to it. But it was definitely a good idea because it has paid off. We know that sustainable investments have done better in the last, uh, what, 10 years maybe on average than non-sustainable investments. And also during COVID time, we have seen it. Uh, the, the performance of sustainable investments has been phenomenal. Now, uh, let's first define what sustainable investments are. So I want to find out if there are clear guidelines about which investments are sustainable and which are not. And since we are focusing on Europe, is there something like a European label? David. Well, that's a very good question. Uh, what is a sustainable investment? Well, a sustainable investment, generally speaking, can be defined as an investment that seeks both financial and non-financial performance, as opposed to the traditional uh, non-sustainable investments that only look for financial performance. Financial performance is measured by the return, the monetary mm -hmm. return of the investment. Uh, but when it comes to non-financial performance, uh, the buzzword today is impact. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Everyone talks about impact, either in the environment or in the society. Now, as we just said, if we think about sustainability, we need to think in the long term. So impact should also be in the long term, not only quick gains. But, you know, the question here is how to translate this definition or this idea of long-term impact into guidelines, Mm -hmm. guidelines that provide clarity to investors. And, of course, that's easier said than done uh, because we need to define what is green, yes? Now, there are many private initiatives out there. Uh, uh, For instance, the International Capital Market Association has the so-called principles for green and social bonds. And these principles are voluntary guidelines that recommend transparency and disclosure in sustainable bonds. But you know, just like these principles, most private initiatives are also voluntary in the sense that they are not enforced. They are Mm -hmm. not enforcement mechanisms like penalties, for instance. This is why I'm a firm believer that we need regulations Mm -hmm. to bring a lot of clarity to these guidelines. And for instance, the so-called EU taxonomy, you know, that we hear all the time about it because there is an increased political debate about it. So what is the EU taxonomy? Uh, The EU taxonomy is, in simple words, is a classification system to clarify which investments are environmentally sustainable. Mm -hmm. Put it differently, it is an initiative of the European Commission to understand what is green and what is not green. Of course, as I said, big debate around it, uh, but it's a very important part of sustainable investment. Now, I understand from the definition you are giving that investing sustainably is not a straightforward thing. Uh, So what are the potential pitfalls, Wim? Well, I I see two potential pitfalls. eh? First of all, it's not because something is green and environmentally friendly that it's good investment. eh? And uh, we are managing pension fund money, so we're managing for the long run. So we need to have our money back as well. So I think it's not because it's green, it's also uh, financially uh, sustainable. You see a lot of green bubbles, and that's certainly a risk we have to avoid. The second risk, um, the definition of sustainable is not always very clear. There are different definitions, there are different methodologies. And to compare one company with another company or one project with another project in the same sector in the same industry is very difficult it's even sometimes difficult to follow the evolution of one uh, company or one project over time because Mm -hmm. the definitions are changing so fast Mm -hmm. do you have something to add to that david yes indeed uh, i totally agree with him and also another potential pitfall of sustainable investments is greenwashing or more generally speaking, sustainability washing. That means that an investment is sold as sustainable, when in reality it is not sustainable. But something important is that it is always the belief that uh, you know fund managers or you know institutional investors that you know do greenwashing they do it on purpose. But it is not the case. In many occasions, it is not done on purpose. It is actually the lack of regulatory framework mm-hmm. that brings greenwashing. So, fund managers often incorrectly label their funds as sustainable, or companies issue bonds as green but again, without bad intentions. But similar problems apply also in other players of the investment chain. For instance, a very good example is that one of the most important financial data providers recently had to remove about 1,200 funds 
that were classified as green or sustainable. Merely because this data provider was classifying these funds as green or sustainable because the title of the fund, the name of the fund, had sustainability-related words in it. Okay, when talking about sustainable investments, we mostly mentioned environmentally related topics. But as you already mentioned, Wim, there's also this important social dimension to it. Yeah, indeed, it's logic uh, that we have a lot of focus on the environmental part of sustainability because of uh, global warming, because of the Green Deal. But I think we don't have to forget that the social dimension of sustainability is extremely uh, important, especially if we talk about companies. There's a reason... uh, Uh, why we call it company. Uh, A company is a group of people working together. And so the human value you have there is is very important. There's a study of McKinsey that has been published recently that showed that sustainable companies are more successful in attire and retain uh, talent. They also show that employees are more motivated. There is a lower absenteeism rate and uh, there's a higher productivity in these companies. And there's also a study of the London School of Economics that has tracked the performance of the fortunes list of most favorite companies to work for. That's a list that already is existing for more than 20 years. And you see that on average, these companies do on the stock exchange do uh, something like 2 to 3% better than other companies. And I think indeed that shows the importance of the social dimension, but that social part is even more difficult to measure than the environmental yeah. quality. Yeah, I can imagine. David? Yes, I totally agree uh, with Wim because, you know, climate scientists have been working on climate models for decades. So we know very well how to quantify climate risks, but uh, the social aspect is a lot more qualitative. Uh, I couldn't agree more. Um, Thinking more in a global perspective, the climate crisis is having dreadful social consequences in many countries already as we speak. And, And these consequences are just going to keep increasing as temperature increases. For instance, we know that sooner or later, northern India will suffer lethal heat waves. which means that if some people are exposed to outdoors for too long, they're just simply going to die. And that will have consequences not only on economic activities, but also on living conditions. And that will create massive immigration flows, not only within India, but also more internationally. Wim, we already talked about your own investment behavior. Now let's talk about Aegeas. Has Aegeas adjusted its investment strategy to be more sustainable? And if so, how? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. When you talk about sustainability and specifically the environmental side of it, you can divide economic activities in three categories, green, gray and black. Green, that is about renewables, that speaks uh, for itself. Gray, this is about activities that make progress. They are not there, they are still polluting. And black, that are activities that have a heavy ecological impact and where there is no prospect for big improvement in future. What have we done at the GS? Of course, we have excluded the black activities. Eh? We are not investing in coal, we are not investing in shale gas, we are not investing in Arctic drilling. 
Uh, for the green ones, it's easy as well. Huh? We favor as much as possible investments in uh, renewable energy. We have invested the last five years for more than one billion in uh, solar energy and in wind energy. But the most difficult, but also the most interesting part is the gray part. That are activities that are still uh, polluting. Take, for instance, um, the electricity sector. Electricity sector is actually, in terms of carbon footprint, in terms of CO2 output, the most polluting sector in our uh, portfolio. But it's not a solution to sell it and to disinvest completely, because we need electricity for instance, for electrical cars. So there will be no green transition without the electricity sector. So our strategy there is to keep invested, but to encourage and even to force these companies to become greener so that the grey becomes more and more green. And do you think that we should give companies more time to make this transition towards sustainability? Yes, indeed. I think we need uh, the time to make this change. Uh, I think the decarbonization is a huge challenge. Uh, um, Don't forget, life is based on carbon, eh? it's based on CO2. Eh? When we are breathing, when we are talking, we are producing CO2. Our economy is based on CO2. Eh? When we drive our car, when we heat our houses, when we use electricity, we are producing CO2. So it's really a part of our life and a part of our economy. If we want to make this transition, we have to avoid that we create economical disruptions. This transition also needs to be a social one, I think, the electricity, having a home, mobility are like basic needs. So we need that this remains affordable for everybody of the society. I think we have to plan this transition very carefully, yes. Mm -hmm. David, do you agree on that? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we have a discussion. Trenton. We have a discussion here. No, I don't agree that uh, companies should be given more time uh, because we are running out of time already. I mean, we have been aware of global warming since, what, 40, 50 years, mm -hmm. and EU climate action started in the early 90s. The best-selling environmental book ever, the, the Limits to Growth, was published in 1972. Uh, we know, actually, we may trace it back to even the beginning of the 50s, I would say. Now, some countries and some industries have invested heavily in low-carbon technology, like the energy sector in the European Union. Of course, we are still far from total decarbonization of the energy sector, but a lot of work has been done on it. Huh? Mm -hmm. But we are clearly, clearly lacking progress in many other industries. And for instance, transport, mobility mm -hmm. is a very good example. Wim? Well, um, I agree in, in the sense that Companies have to start and they have to take action. Uh, but I think we need to give them some time to prepare this transition in a careful way. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's make this concrete. Under which conditions can you still justify investments in grey companies that are in that transition phase? Well, I think it's important that there's a plan. And a plan means that there's a clear strategy, that there are concrete targets, strict deadlines, and a transparent communication about this transition. And we as an investor, we can put also some pressure on the companies to make this uh, transition. And if they're not making the progress we expect, we are not going to continue to invest in this company. And that helps us uh, to put the pressure on these grey companies to go from grey into green. David? Well, 
Now I fully agree with that. <laughs> so back to agreement. So when I said earlier that I did not agree uh, with giving more time, it means that I don't agree with giving more time of business as usual mm -hmm. that I'm against. But if a company comes with a credible and an accountable sustainability strategy, then I think that's good news. Yeah, and this, as Wim said, this strategy also needs a clear and transparent implementation plan with short-term milestones. Right? That's very important. Yeah? Because, you know, quoting Greta Thunberg, the time of blah, blah, blah is over. Because it's very easy for a company to make pledges of carbon neutrality by 2050. That's easy to do, but it's not enough. Because those that make these pledges are in the management committee, they will not be there in 2050. You know, in a recent study of Carbon Market Watch, which is a very reputed association that evaluates the integrity of climate pledges, they analyzed 25 global, truly global multinationals in terms of their carbon pledges. And only three of these 25 clearly committed to decarbonize over 90% of their value chain emissions with respect to uh, their target years. So that that's really, you know, a very good example that we are not there yet, that pledges are not enough, and that we need credible strategic plans for decarbonization. The time for blah, blah, blah is over, you said, David. But as you already mentioned, not all companies in Europe seem to have gotten the message. Which specific sectors need to be pushed harder to make the transition? Well, that's an excellent question. But let me first sketch the bigger picture. Now, we are focusing on Europe. And uh, Europe is clearly a leader, a global leader in climate action. Europe has managed to decouple economic growth from greenhouse gas emissions. Since the early 90s, the European Union has grown by 55%, while it has reduced their emissions by 22%. How was that possible? That was possible because the European Union targeted the big polluting businesses, namely energy, and industries such as steel, cement, and the chemical industry. And all these industries, as well with energy, they all fell into the so-called carbon market. This is a market where these industries, they need to pay for polluting. Yeah, They need to buy a sort of allowance that will allow them to pollute. And this number of allowances is fixed by EU climate policy. And over the years, this number of allowances to pollute has decreased and hence the total emissions of these industries and energy has also decreased over time. So that has been a phenomenal success in EU climate policy, carbon markets. However, the European Union has not succeeded in reducing emissions of other sectors. And a very good example that we mentioned before is transport. Now, by transport, we talk about road transport, aviation and maritime transport. Indeed, 
emissions of transport since the early 90s have increased instead of decreasing. So I think, uh, to answer your, to your question now, mm-hmm. I think that transport is one of the important sectors where investors need to put pressure. Another sector where investors can put pressure is on food and beverage. And this is because this sector has very long supply chains. So at the end of the chain, you typically find a very large supermarket group And this very large supermarket group has an enormous influence in all the supply chain. They they can exert pressure on all the supply chain to reduce emissions. And in turn, investors can also exert this pressure on these food and beverage providers. Until now, we only talked about uh, companies and sectors, but how big is the link with our own behavior as consumers? Can we have a considerable impact ourselves too? Yes, certainly. Uh, I think an important notion in sustainable investing is stranded assets, that assets that have lost their value. And assets can lose their value because of changes in regulation, because of technology change, but also because of change in the preference of consumers. Um, I think the behavior of consumers can have an important effect on the sustainability of corporations. I would even say that consumers have a much stronger impact than investors in this transition and they will determine uh, by the products and the services they buy whether our economy and our companies will become more sustainable. Okay, thank you. David? Yes, indeed. And and there are many examples of that. Uh, Think about how consumers have changed their habits with regards to food. For instance, if we go to the supermarket and we look at how it looks like and with respect to 10 years ago, there has been a massive change. You know, you find more local food in the supermarkets. The labeling about the origin of the food is much more clear now. There is the possibility to buy in bulk, which Mm -hmm. was not there even three, four years ago. And you have more cardboard in the packaging. Mm -hmm. And these are just a few examples. Really, the consumers are, indeed, I agree with Wim, are an important driver of, of the change. Sustainable investments are also becoming the standard options for mm-hmm. individual investors. We yeah. go to the bank or the insurance uh, branch office or to the broker or the agent and we ask for investments and by default many institutions offer sustainable investments. Mm-hmm. Gentlemen, thank you for providing such a nuanced view. Now before I let you go, could you give me your own key takeaways of this session? David? Well, I think I have three takeaways of this session. The first one is that the sustainability transformation is not a cost. It is an investment. And now I would like to come back to the very first question that you asked me about what I have done on a personal basis. You know, mm-hmm. when I switched all my investments from non-sustainable to sustainable, it had a cost at the beginning, but it paid off in the long run because I saw it like an investment. The second uh, takeaway is that regulations are changing and there is also technology that is advancing to make the sustainability transformation easier not only for consumers but also for companies. And the third takeaway is that companies should invest in sustainability because it is the future. If they don't, they face the risk of becoming stranded. Mm -hmm. So companies should not see sustainability like a threat. It is not. 
it is an opportunity. Wim? Well, I come back to my classification between uh, green, black and grey activities. And I think in sustainability, there's a lot of focus on the green and on the black for obvious reasons. But I think the most interesting part actually is the grey part. And especially as an institutional investor, we can push, we can encourage these companies, these grey companies, to go from grey into green. And in that sense, I think that sustainability, and that's my personal belief, is not about the perfection, but about the progress we make. Thank you very much, gentlemen, for sharing with us your insights on investing sustainably in Europe. It was great talking to you. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Same here. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Studio 2030, brought to you by Egeas. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please subscribe and share with your friends and colleagues. For more information on Egeas, please check out the company website at egeas.com. Thank you.